Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. I'm your host Steve Pallas, founder and CEO of Sports Community and as I say just about every single week I'm really excited for today's interview. Today we're going to hear from Anthony Wilson and Dennis Day from the Point Lonsdale Tennis Club. Now, Anthony and Dennis, and I hope they won't mind me saying this, are a couple of old dudes who launched with the help and support of Tennis Victoria, the Tennis for Teens initiative, a program that encourages youths between the ages of 12 and 17 to be active in a social environment. Now, Anthony and Dennis would appear to be a couple of people least likely to run a successful program for teenagers, but their approach has created great results for the Point Lonsdale Tennis Club. Now, as a little bit of background, the Tennis for Teens program created by Tennis Victoria Tennis Australia is a non-competitive, stress-free, fun social program that offers participants activities both on and off the court. Tennis for Teens is a program designed by teens for teens, which is to say that participants are consulted on the activities to be conducted in the session. In a moment, Anthony and Dennis will share their experiences with introducing a program aimed at attracting teenagers. And throughout the interview, they offer so many valuable insights about the importance of not just social sport, but also the need to really listen to the people that you're trying to attract to your club. In this case, the kids, the teenagers, and actually create the environment that they want, the environment that they want to be a part of. And as we'll hear with the Tennis for Teens program from Point Lonsdale Tennis Club, that may include something completely different to what, in this case, tennis clubs traditionally offered. When Anthony and Dennis asked the kids what did they want to be included in part of the Tennis for Teams program? They said a table tennis table, right? And nothing really to do with tennis, but all about the social perspective. And to the credit of the club, Anthony and Dennis, that's what they gave the kids, a table tennis table and a place to belong, a place to call their own. As always, I'd like to acknowledge our partnership with Vic Health and how grateful we are for being able to share the stories and successes of sports clubs and organisations around Australia who are doing sport differently. As I always do after each interview, I'll share my learnings and what I think we can take away from the discussion. But for now, please may I introduce Anthony and Dennis from the Point Lonsdale Tennis Club. Point Lonsdale Tennis Club, it's a, well, first of all, for those around Australia that don't know, where exactly is Point Lonsdale? And it's got some unique seasonal attributes that many other clubs wouldn't necessarily have to deal with. Well, it certainly does, Steve. For people who don't know us, we're basically right on the um, point of the Port Phillip Heads. So we're probably sort of uh, two hours away from Melbourne, um, about 45 minutes away from Geelong. And we're very much a coastal area, so very much a touristy area. So we've got... uh, um, quite a lot of holiday homes in, in our in our local area, which basically means we have an explosion of population over the five or six um, weeks over summer. 
And then for the rest of the year, we're, we're really just a smaller sort of town, town or combined townships of about four or 5,000 people. So we, we have um, our, our club being basically used constantly over summer full time. And then back in uh, over the non-summer months, we go back to just being a, a normal local club. Um, so yeah. Uh, quite, quite a lot of different usages. Yeah, that the club grows, and I think you've you, you've you've taken advantage of that seasonal influx of uh, of holidaymakers, and and got a membership up to six hundred in in the peak periods of your club. Well, but... well yeah, you certainly have, yes, yeah, and probably probably you know uh, well over fifty percent of our members would be non-local people, for example. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it could could even be up to sixty percent. So that makes a big difference to to being able to fund things, um, being able to encourage people and governments to give you grants and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and all the locals, although the locals do lose a little bit of access over the holiday period, it's great to have the tourists fund uh, a lot of the a lot of the growth of the club. But yeah, it certainly is. So tennis for teens. Now we've we've talked tennis for teens before on, on this live stream and it's it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful program by Tennis Victoria. But why did uh, Point Lonsdale Tennis Club, why did you want to or go down the path of introducing tennis for teens? Well, I think initially, Steve, we were, we were looking at a, at some sort of program, trying to get you know, younger girls involved more than anything else. And it just so happens that round about the same time we were doing that, the tennis for teens um, concept um, became we became aware of. And when we looked at it, we thought, yeah, that'd be the perfect fit for our club, and it's sort of exactly the sort of thing we wanted to do. So once we sort of explored what it was all about, uh, the support that was available there, we thought, yep, this is something we we want to put our hand up for. We want to be one of the sort of the pilot clubs to, to help drive it. Um, and, and we felt that we had the capacity to do so. So um, with that, and obviously with Dennis as our club coach, he was quite keen to get more and more of our juniors involved. And we saw it as an opportunity, not just for tennis, but just to get kids involved, you know, you know, come up and try it, get involved with the social aspect. And it, as it turns out, it, it turned out perfectly for us from that point of view. Well, let's start with uh, the tennis Vic side of it. So when, when we when we start talking to clubs about opportunities to increase participation and that sort of thing, they're often really surprised that their peak sporting body has resources, programs, funding even that can help them in their their local community. So how how did what sort of support did you get from Tennis Vic through the program? Yeah, well, well, initially what we got was we got a thousand dollar grant to start with. And effectively, what that was to do is basically go to the kids and say, okay, we've got $1,000 here. What do you want to spend the money on? And so that was great. So what we, we did, we, we, we spoke to them. We, we talked about the various things. And the main things we spent that grant money on is we got a table tennis table, believe it or not. They were keen, yeah, we want a table tennis table. And that's probably been one of the best investments the club's ever had because <laughs> we've got kids playing it um, when they come along at night. Um, we've got other people using it during all of our other sessions. So that was fantastic. And that, again, it gets them involved, mucking around, sort of um, hamming around, having fun. Um, we, we used it to buy a, um, a big sound blaster thing so we can go out there and do cardio tennis and all that sort of stuff. So we've got music blasting away if we want to. And the other thing we spent the money on was they were quite keen to go up to the Australian Open. So we took a group of about eight kids up to the Australian Open um, in, in January and um, you know they just loved it for a lot of them it was their first experience at the open and they just thought it was fantastic so so you know the, the key thing was we had this this upfront grant which the children could work out what they wanted to spend it on so we didn't influence them at all we said okay there it is what would you like to do with it so we had and, that and I think sorry, that, that support yeah that that's an amazing I mean it's such a the research is now showing us that that's such an important Thing is to talk to the people we want to engage with mm -hmm. because 
what we're finding is that they're coming up with things that we wouldn't normally associate with attracting participation to a tennis club. So um, uh, music, a, a sound blaster or, or good stereo, a, a table tennis table, uh, like probably, and Dennis, if you kind of pull in the, the club coach perspective there, they're probably things that you would never would have thought of from a, um, uh, from that top down approach when you're talking about attracting kids to the club. That, that is exactly right. So, you know, so it's all, it's all a good thing. It gives them something to talk about to their friends too. Yeah, come along and, and, you know, we can listen to some music. We can do a bit of exercise. We can, you know, have a hit of table tennis. And 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 basically it, it's amazing because every night they, it starts with them hitting the table tennis and it always finishes them on the table tennis table. So, yeah, great, fantastic. But a lot of the parents on the, when they're hitting table tennis, a lot of the parents when they arrive to pick up their kids, We've got to try and kick the whole lot out because the parents and the kids all get involved playing table tennis, and we've got to get rid of them. That's right. <laughs> and and that that pulls in the whole clubs are just more than the sport, isn't it? It pulls in the social connection, the friendship, uh, and and the enjoyment side of of the non sporting activities of the club. Yep, that's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, and sorry, observe just the other thing. The other support we also did for the first two terms that we did this, we also got um, provided forty-five dollars a session for administration. So that was that was for two terms. And since then, now we we, we just funded ourselves. I mean, there's really not much of it that we need to do really now. So it's really just us volunteering our time more than anything else um, from that point of view. So we also get that support. So that was very handy for the first month or uh, first term or two. But then after that, you know, the program could basically run itself. And. Just going back to the the music side, because almost yes. it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because I guess some of the words that are synonymous synonymous with tennis are quiet, please. Um, it's right. <laughs> you know, it's it's almost counterintuitive. In same as in lawn bowls, the barefoot bowls love music, love atmosphere. Yep. Isn't that yep. what we found, or you found with the kids as well? Well, that's what we found, and what we've also strived, and when when um, people have come along, we said. It's not actually a tennis night. It's a social night focused with tennis in the background, basically. So tennis is sort of, sort of the link, but we stress at the very the very beginning, it's very social, and that's where the music comes into it all. And, and particularly, you know, our, our kids are, are probably the year seven, eight, nine level. The boys particularly are very boisterous. So there's a lot of carrying on and all that sort of stuff going on anyway. So you, you're not going to have it quiet to start with. So the music to some degree almost is a distraction from them as well. You know, so it's all good fun. <laughs> oh, and, and that year seven, eight, nine, that's typically where we're seeing drop-offs of kids out of sport, particularly with the girls. Um, yes, and so yes. it's, it's interesting that the program's targeted about that. So when you went to the kids the first time, uh, how did they respond? Because they probably haven't been asked their opinion too often on how do you want things to operate that affect you? Well, basically, we, we, it did take them a, a few weeks to get used to the concept. And even when we said we've got this money to spend, it was like, okay, go away and think about it. And, you know, we gave some potential suggestions and um, but really asked them to go and think about it. And, and you're right, that they, they, and they did. I'll give, give, give them their due. They spoke about it amongst themselves. They thought, okay, what, what do we want and don't want? But I think they liked the concept that they could come up with the idea of what it was. You know, you could almost see when we first said to them, um, you tell us what you want to spend the money on. You could see you could see straight away it was, oh, this is great. You know, oh, gee, we'll have to think about this. And, and you know, they really embraced it, which was a fantastic thing. 
Was there a little bit of disbelief that you were kind of saying, hey, you got this money and you can spend it on whatever you want? And, and been a disbelief, disbelief might be too strong a word, <laughs> but but certainly there was surprise, put it like that. Yeah, there was certainly a surprise, pleasant surprise that, that you know that, that was that they were able to do that too from that point of view. So what about the tennis side of it? So then take us through what are the tennis activities? Who runs them? Who's deciding? What's what? What's the structure of the the evening or the day when when they come? Initially, we would, um, you know, we being Dennis and I, would probably think of some of the, the activities to do. So we did cardio tennis. Um, we had got them up there with a ball machine, doing some you know different games. So we're trying to make it around a gamey So it's not actually coaching. Yep. Or, or formal play. So we'd like to focus it around games. So we did cardio tennis activities. We did, um, um, as I said, the ball machine. We then tried to organise some theme nights. So we sort of um, had a, a football tennis where, where effectively we had people having to either, you know, you'd hit the ball and you got six points or you did another activity and you got one point. Um, we had a Mexican night where we tried to sort of organise games around, um, you know, you know, uh, You'd go panadas and all that sort of stuff, hitting the ball, trying to break the panada and all that. So we, we, we do those sort of things and that got them very much involved. But what we've now found over sort of over the period of 12 to 15 months now, they basically run it. So the week before, it's okay, what do you want to do next week? And we're finding more and more now, they're just very happy to go out there, split up into groups and just belt tennis balls at each other effectively. So, you know, because again, it's the social interaction, just getting there, mucking around with each other. But we find if you give them a little bit of structure, come up with some themes. Um, Dennis, with his coaching, has got quite a number of tennis games that you can play. So yep. we get them involved with that sort of thing. So, you know, I think initially initially you probably need to structure it a little bit more and give them, okay, we're going to do this next week. But then over time it's, okay, what do you want to do next week? And you find they've got the, the key things that they're happy doing. So, you know, you know from that, you know, that's, that's, I think, the natural evolution of what the program should be. And how have they... Uh, responded to that responsibility or handled that responsibility? Have they embraced it or has it been quite challenging? Well, I think the thing is we have probably got a couple of natural leaders in the group and that's yeah. been very good. So they're, they're, you know, often I'll be the ones to put their hand up and say, hey, why don't we do this? And then the other kids will say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea or no, I don't like doing that or, or something else. So we find that's pretty good, you know. You know, the, the natural leaders tend to sort of step forward and, and they help then drive the process themselves with each other and the interaction and all that sort of stuff. So again, taking taking the the pressure and the responsibility off uh, yourself and, and and Dennis. So I can imagine as facilitators, that makes it a very um, enjoyable experience. Oh, it's a great it's a great night. Oh, I love it. I mean, the thing I found, you know, just the things in my mind is just in, in before we had to stop it all before COVID came in. Just some of the kids that get up there. And they go out there and basically, okay, what do you want to do tonight? And before you even say that, they're already out on the court doing it, doing what they want to do. And so all I'm basically doing is going around, hitting balls with them, watching what's going on, and, you know, trash talking them, they stop trash talking you back, and it's fantastic, you know. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's good. So yeah. They really do embrace it, you know, from, from that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of welcome to a couple of our, our uh, regular visitors. So Karina Clark, so Karina, from my memory, you're from the office. Officer Tennis Club and Gary Leach from uh, Knox Tennis Club. Welcome to you. Welcome to everybody that's watching the live stream. Uh, just just picking up on Gary's point here that uh, and again about it's about getting people into the club not be, and creating a safe 
enjoyable environment and then introducing the sport. And Gary says, we purchased bocce, croquet, large dice, giant pickup sticks, ten- uh, beach tennis equipment, et cetera, to play other non-tennis games. Yeah. So that that's consistent with your social fun. You know, exactly. Learning the skills. Yeah, um, absolutely. So... The recruitment, let's go right back to the start. So you had how many how many kids did you have in this, I guess, consultation group? Eight or eight or so? About, yeah, about eight. Yeah, seven or eight. So we had them in the initial group. And, and we basically got them through um, uh, uh, word of mouth through the club, um, letting people know that we were doing this. And also um, in social media, like with our Facebook pages. And, and that, so we picked up a few then. And we advertised a little bit in some local press. So, you know, that, that's where we got the initial um, initial interest from. So they weren't even kids that were participating in tennis per se at this at that stage. Probably fifty, probably half and half, probably about yeah. half and half. So you know, a couple, a couple that came up. One of them was uh, saw the ad was keen to sort of you know was playing sport but hadn't played tennis. Was keen to sort of see what tennis was like. Came along. Uh, another young girl, I think her parents saw it there and said, "You, you need to get out. <laughs> Why don't you go out there and see what this is all about?" And she was very, very shy initially. And, and but over the over the period, her tennis probably hasn't improved that much, but her social interaction and all that has. So you know, we, we've had that sort of fifty-fifty mix. Well, and, and so people that are new to tennis, mm-hmm. again, starting with non-tennis, as you said, you start with the the t- table tennis uh, before and after, for instance, which. Uh, did did you see people take a little bit of time to really embrace the tennis? They they were kind of coming, they were watching, they were kind of just in the background, and then as their confidence grew, they they participated more regularly. That would be right, yeah, that would be right. And, and and I think again, but when you have early on, when you when when we're the ones actually sort of um, organising the activities, then they they sort of have to be become involved. You know, they can't really stand back. So if you're doing like cardio tennis or or some of the other games, that's one way to get them involved where they're, they're not feeling, um, I suppose, threatened because, oh, they can't hold the tennis but, uh, racket that well. And 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 Dennis, I must be being the, the good coach he is, he's very good with, with the, the younger people in getting them to, yeah, have a go, do this, do that, you know, don't worry about it. If you miss the shot, go back to the end of the line, come back again and all that sort of thing. So I think that's where early on, if you, if you do have some organised activities early on, that gets those people, prevents them from being able to stand back and sort of, you know, so you're not pushing them, but it's just natural that they're part of the group. And because it's in a game, fun situation, they're not feeling as pressurised, say, as they might be if it was a formal coaching session or something along those lines. Or, or it was in a in a in a in a in a match type scenario. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so Karina says, did you use social media to attract the participants, and how has the program grown over that year and a half? You know, ignoring oh, COVID well, at the moment. Well, yeah, well, we did. We did um, use social media early, but and what we've found is the growth, we've probably doubled our numbers over the period. So we've got a, a core group coming up now around about 14 to 16. Um, but what we found, it was actually word of mouth. So social media got initial interest, but then we found the growth actually came from word of mouth from the, the active participants going back then talking to their friends or, you know, or other people around the club because um, often, for example, on the the night we do it Monday night, we, we then have um, a, a, a adult night tennis follows that. And a lot of them would come up and see it. And, and they've got kids saying, oh, yeah, maybe I should send my kid up to have a look and, and have a taste and all that sort of stuff. So it was very much the word of social media early, but very much word of mouth from the participants who were involved. That's where the growth really then comes from because they, they, they just go back and talk to their friends. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the 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 benefit of putting the induction program linking it to an established club program, I think mm-hmm. can't be overestimated because it all all of a sudden kind of creates that pathway. Hey, if I keep exactly. going, I yeah. could look like this. The parents are saying, "Hey, I and, and being the father of three daughters, I get that when they say, you're right, get out of the house." Um, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the father of three daughters. Well, what we've found too is, um, you know, even three kids that have come in initially, they've now come into competition tennis. So, you know, there's three that, that, that came along, really were just really coming along just for the social side, but they've now become um, involved in, in um, comp tennis as well. So it's a, it is a pathway into junior pennant if that's what they want to do as well. If that's what they want to do, so so three mm. out of uh, three out of fifteen is not a bad a bad. Well, that's not bad, and when you probably think about probably half that number are already playing, um, you know, um, the comp as well. So it's quite. I mean, from that point of view, it's a good hit rate for people that weren't participants in, in comps beforehand. Yeah, fantastic. But it, that that's just a nat. I think the important thing there was natural progression at at the pace yeah. they want to go. I just mm. come back to Karina's comment about social media. Yeah. Um, during the session itself, are the kids using their phones? Are they posting? Are they communicating no. or is it? No, not really, no. I mean, basically when they're there, they're participating in our activities. I mean, what's when, when they're there at the start, you know, if they're waiting for other people, yep, they're in, in their phones. But once we're out there, the phones are basically in the club rooms and we're just out doing doing our thing. So, mm. you know, they, they really aren't interested in looking at their phones or posting on social media and all that. They, they might be afterwards. But certainly not while we're actually engaging during during the session, so which is good. <laughs> See, parents, it is possible to separate your children from their phones. So they can't be doing two things at once. Yeah. <laughs> so did the kids and picking up Gary's point here, word of mouth helps us school friends join their mates. Did the kids effectively become the ambassadors and the recruiters of the program? Yes, in a word, yes. That's that's exactly what happened. So they they went out there. They were speaking to their friends and, um, you know, going to school, speaking to their schoolmates. And and the other thing too is um, we've probably got our, our participants probably go to three or four different schools in our area, um, you know, there's some of the public schools and the private schools. So we, we, it's not like they're all going to the same school. So the feelers go out a bit more from that point of view as well. Tennis, tennis Victoria also gave us a lot of little sort of incentive things. Bring a kid, another participant, and you, you get one of these. They had little power adapters for mobile phones and other little uh-huh. pieces. So yeah. there's a little bit of um, bribery going yeah, on behind right. the yes. scenes as well. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. the support that we got. Yes. So, yeah. So they're all quite keen to get the, the you know, what is it, the little battery things for their phone. Yeah. I keep forgetting the name of them. All, all those sort of things, little pedometer type things and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we handed those out. But um, in the end, I just ended up giving them away to all the kids anyway because we, yeah. we had that much stuff there to give away. It was fantastic. <laughs> So you've you now mentioned you've got 15 and, and it's, it'll no doubt continue to grow as, as it gets traction, momentum and mm-hmm. um, consistency. Um, what what co- And you've said now sustainable program. So what cost are you putting into the program now or charging the, the participants? We charge the participants $5 a night. And that goes mainly that goes mainly towards buying food for them. So at the end of <laughs> so at the end of the sessions, again part of the social thing, we bring them in and we'll have um, pizzas or party pies or you know um, cakes or something like that for them. So you know one night we had a we had a Mexican night, so we had a nacho night and um, taco night and all that sort of stuff. So so that's it. So in terms of the, the club cost, 
there's very there is basically minimal cost to us now because um, we, yeah. we've got all we've got all the equipment we need um, because we've got Dennis up there we've got plenty of tennis balls and rackets if we need um, spare rackets so you know there's a minimal cost so the cost for the kids is basically to fund their own food <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary asked the question did you how did you find using the mind body app and I'll ask the question what is the mind body app to register participants did you find that a positive or a negative Okay, well, the, yeah, well, the mind, the mind body app is is, is the app that uh, effectively you go in there to register all who all your participants are each time, so you can track. I mean, people can book a place if they want to, um, but then you you, put, you basically put them in so you can then track who's who's been coming along. I, I haven't found any problems with it, to be quite honest. Um, I will note that very few participants, or actually no participants, actually register through the mind body app. They just rock up on the night. And then I just enter their details and, and put them into the system um, each night. Um, so I haven't had any trouble using using the app, but I um, but I might say that it probably hasn't really attracted anybody um, to come along. It's mainly been the word of mouth and, and and other social media that's got people coming. That's an interesting learning, isn't it? And I think uh, it's it's a consistent with learning that we hear across across the program is that. Don't expect social media to do all the work for you. It's mm. it's people, your your ambassadors, your current participants, their mm. friends, their family, going out, spreading the word. So consciously creating that behaviour is a really yeah. important part of of successful programs as well. That's right. And I suppose one other thing, Steve, I did forget to mention it before, was we did get a very big, large banner, Tennis Patoons banner that we had on the fence at the club. And it's amazing that 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 elicited a lot of comment from people. Oh, what's tennis for teens? So that yeah. So that actually that was one way then of getting you'd speak to, and it was mainly parents. Oh, what's the tennis for teens program? You'd speak to them about what it was about, and that then generated conversations amongst themselves. So yeah, I should I should have mentioned that too. We did have the big banner there, and that did get a quite a bit of interest, particularly early on from people just wanting to know what the program was, and then allowed other people then to sort of spread the word from that point of view. The holiday makers knocked it off, though, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so everyone blames the city people, don't they? <laughs> we just um. So for those those clubs that are thinking of going down this path, um, mm -hmm. what would be your advice to to clubs starting to to go down? And it's not just tennis we're talking about; it's about pro youth youth based programs. Well, I think the key thing that we would find is one. Make sure you're basing it and stressing that it's a social activity based on whatever your activity is, be it, um, be it football, you know, cricket, tennis, whatever. So really stress the social activity component of it. And, and I, I suppose and, and the other thing too is then, then making sure that the kids get the opportunity to drive it as much as possible. Now, if that means, you know, you know from our point of view, to some degree you're manipulating them in that direction, but getting them into that as quickly as possible. So, so the key thing is stress the social component of it and stress that it is their night. It's not our night. It's, 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 it's not a structured night. It's their night to, to work out what they want to do. And, Steve, the other thing too, they need to contact Tamitha and her team in at Tennis Victoria because they provide a lot of ideas and access to the activities that are online for tennis for teams and all that background support stuff. And you need to have that, that help, I think, to you know, really get get momentum going and get some rubbish, or not rubbish, but giveaways and all this sort of stuff. That other advertising, you need that support rather than just winging it on your own. You need to have that backup support. and Or even if you don't need it, you just got to know it's there. 
it, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That it's it's there and it's just a phone call or just an email, and and clubs just assume that dare I say it, the peak bodies sit in their ivory towers and you know. But Tamitha and her team, if we're talking specifically tennis in Victoria, just constantly working for making it easier for sports club volunteers. And so by reaching out, that's that's effectively what you're doing, not reinventing the wheel, making it easier for yourselves and leveraging off the work that they've done previously. I think that goes yeah. With, yeah, without doubt, Steve, without doubt. And uh, Gary's uh, Gary's a big big fan of Tamitha as well. As uh, every time we raise tennis in uh, in these discussions, uh, the, all roads seem to lead to Tamitha and her team doing a, a great job of empowering and and supporting the clubs. So, just a couple of final questions. Uh, Karina asks, um, da, 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 uh, "Would you consider using Tennis Vic new system, uh, Club Spark or Clubs Park?" whichever way that is, to register participants? I'll throw that one over to Dennis. <laughs> well, we've, we've only just come across it in the last couple of weeks or so, so we're not all that familiar with it. But I think it's, it's, I think it's just an online registering system for all aspects of club activity. So I haven't really looked into it a lot, Steve, but I think it's got potential. You can register for coaching and all the classes and you know the cardio tennis classes and all that sort of stuff we run. So I haven't looked at it a lot yet. So I'm ignorant. <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's fair enough. But it, it's just another example of how peak bodies are creating ways to help clubs, isn't it? And and technology is one, programs is another. Um, yeah. In that sort of thing. So, a bit of a musical interlude. Well, yeah. as, as I do if every session, I might just bring up um, the, the Doing Sport Differently framework and just look at the things that, you, you know, that, that you've done that, that kind of reinforce what that, that framework is all about and the wonderful research of La Trobe University and Vic Health. And principle number one is where you started, engage with the market, i.e. in this case, it's the kids. We probably couldn't call them a market. Engage with the kids. Think about it from their perspective. Cater for the different skills. Create that pathway. So some are going into coaching. Some are going into uh, competition if they want to. Some are just staying there. Um, and, And best practice, project managing, ensuring sustainability. So now with a little bit of funding up front, a little bit of... um, well, a lot of trust with the kids. It's now become a really sustainable program. It's no surprise because of what the way that you went about it and the way that you engaged the kids and and um, created a really fun uh, skills base. Learning the games are about learning the skills of the game, not necessarily playing the game initially. And I mm-hmm. think there's a hundred lessons in the in the discussion that you share with us today. So I, I thank you so much for your time and um, a, and sharing your stories. That's all right, Steve. It's our pleasure. I mean, we it, I would commend this program to any club. I mean, for, for the young children, and again, it's again because of the social thing about it, it's just so great when you see, see how they get involved and all that sort of stuff. So anyone out there who wants to do it, just go for it. Just give it everything you've got. Yeah, and feel free to contact us anytime if they want to. You know, we're, we're, ha- we're happy to speak to people about it. Well, like all Doing Sport Differently interviews, 
we could have kept talking and talking and talking. So hopefully you enjoyed the discussion with Anthony as Dennis and Dennis as much as I did. I always feel so inspired after hearing from clubs who are shaking things up and driving innovation. I love these conversations because each week, each discussion, I learn so much that we can then take into sport around Australia, around the different sports that clubs may be doing. At Sports Community, we're, we're always looking under the hood of successful clubs. And I, knew, and I know that's a saying that I use a little bit in these, in these podcasts, but that's what we do. We find clubs that are successful, and by that I mean by achieving their goals over a sustained period of time. And so we look at those clubs and we examine what is it that makes them successful, and we look to learn new ideas, concepts, and, and ways of doing things differently. And today's interview was no exception. The doing sport differently principles require us to think about when, where, and how sport is delivered and who delivers them. It may also require new systems, processes, and way of working, often needs patient commitment, and it needs courage. As we've seen time and time again throughout this podcast series, clubs who have introduced less structured and more social, social formats of their sport have, are reaping the rewards in many, many ways. Typically, over time, they will attract larger, more diverse audience, provide opportunities for people at different stages of their lives, increase the number of participants, those that are competing in their competitive formats, volunteers, administrators, and improve their position within the community and really make a positive influence to their community. Really, in a nutshell, clubs that are introducing not just competitive formats, but social and social competitions are really setting themselves up for a very successful, sustainable future. In this case, specifically, not only did the Point Lonsdale Tennis Club see their Tennis for Teens program double in size, but a handful of kids have now also trans transitioned over into the competitive formats of the club. That's the beauty of social sport. It creates a bridge between non-participation and competition, which is vital for getting new people involved in our sport. Social sport is less structured than traditional sport. There's fewer rules, more flexibility, and it places a greater emphasis on fun, social interaction and enjoyment, much more than the focus on performance results and competition that is so relatable to our competitive options. So people new to our clubs, new to our sport, feel much more comfortable joining in social and introductory programs than trying to step straight in to the competitive formats of our sport. Tennis for Teens is a perfect example of social sport in action. As Anthony and Dennis were quick to stress the, the importance of the social element of Tennis for Teens, it was less about the tennis and more about the kids having fun. They were able to play without pressure, blast music, muck around on the table tennis table, socialise with their mates, and it's only $5 a week. And why is all that important? It helps remove the common barriers to participation, such as fear of failure, lack of knowledge, cost, rigid training schedules, and environment that is just too competitive. As we say each week, 
we're not we're not trying to get rid of competitive sport options. It's about recognizing the need to complement those options with social participation and introductory formats that complement form a pathway into and out of our competitive formats. Another doing sport differently principle states engage the target audience throughout the process. And that's unquestionably what Tennis for Teens does. And more specifically in this case, it's unquestionably what Anthony and Dennis did so unbelievably well. They asked the kids, what do you want the program to look like? Letting them decide how how to, to spend the program funds, letting them choose the themes for each night, the social activities, the tennis activities, giving them a sense of ownership. Well, it gave not just a sense of ownership, but it actually allowed them to create an environment, an activity, a club that they wanted to belong to and they wanted to be part of. They embraced the responsibility and thrive in the more social environment, it allows them to connect with each other, learn the game without feeling any pressure to perform in a certain way. And so that's important that we're learning the game, we're teaching the game, we're, we're teaching the etiquette, we're teaching the language, we think about the scoring of tennis. To be fair, it makes no sense. So we're teaching all these things that can be regular barriers to participation into competition. It's the perfect environment for new participants to have a go and grow their confidence. One of the coolest outcomes was hearing how the kids became ambassadors for the program and helped recruit their friends. Without question, the most powerful recruitment strategy of all of that any club can use is harness the passion of your existing participants and members and have them tap into their networks and bring their friends, their family, their colleagues to your club. All right, well, that's all we have time for today. I hope today's discussion with Anthony and Dennis has got you thinking about the benefits of social sport again and ways you might be able to diversify the participation options at your club. So as I say every week, and I'm so grateful for the sports community members, those people that help us bring resources, training programs, information, podcasts, newsletters to volunteers all around Australia with just one goal, simply to make it easier to be a volunteer. So if you're a sports club volunteer, if you know of a volunteer, then check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au. Send it to your friends, send it to your family, send it to your committee. Make it easier for people to run their sports clubs. And if you're not a member, check out the membership tabs. We'd love for you to join us on our journey. We'd love for us, love for you to become a member and continue to help us help volunteers around Australia. So until next week, I'm Steve Pallas. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and for being part of our sports community.